Bless up for tuning in to Project Cheney. Magic happens when you question everything. Conspirituality becomes reality, weirdness is welcomed, and it's okay to change your mind. Big up yourself. Um. Hey you guys, welcome to another episode of Project Cheney. As always, I'm your host Cheney, and as always, this part is the most awkward part of the whole show for me to do. I'm going to get better at it, and um, talking uh, to you guys alone is just going to become a normal part of my life, and I know there's a lot of people in my life that are listening to this, like... I talk to this bitch all the time and she has no problem finding her words. Um, But it does feel extra vulnerable when it's just me sitting here with you. And since we're going to be hanging out so much and uh, part of my journey is to try to be honest and authentic, I feel like you should know that. So welcome to my little bit of awkwardness. Um, This is my second episode. Uh, I am going to be lucky enough to sit down with one third of one of my favorite podcasts. Um, It's the Truthzilla podcast. If you have not listened to the Truthzilla podcast, you are totally missing out. Um, It has three members, um, Megan and Ed, and then I will be sitting down with Scott today. One of the things I love so much about Truthzilla is it's really important for me that people are putting actions behind their words. Uh, we live in a world of internet trolls and of big talkers and of, uh, you know, people that are putting down other people. Like, you don't meme as much as me. You don't write as many comments. Your comma's in the wrong place. And it's like, yeah, but have you been down to your city hall? Have you gone down and seen what the mask mandates were for your kids at their school? Have you gone and fought for your neighbor to open their business? Um, I think there's levels to this game. And I think Truezilla is kind of matching things on all sorts of levels that I just have a shit ton of respect for. And not that I don't have any respect for people making mad ass memes because uh, is it, am I allowed to say, is it memes? Is that even the right word anymore? I'm like, I feel like my, one of my nieces is going to write me and be like, tell me some cool kid word for it. Um, yeah, I think there's power in that too. I think it's important to get information out there any way you can. But I also think it's really, really, really important to take a fucking part in your community and um, maybe even build a community. Maybe have a little bit of healthy ego sometimes and knowing that you have the proper information to stand on a soapbox and be vulnerable enough because it's right and you stand for truth. And damn, yeah, I kind of love Truzilla like that. And I really like Scott like that. And I love his journey and how he got here. And I kind of love his self-redemption and his self-reflection and what he teaches me about that. One of the my favorite parts of this interview that I didn't really anticipate for it to go there um, is we end up talking a lot about the 12 steps. And I realized how naive I was 
uh, for a person that can tell you, you know, uh, most of the old symbols on half the pyramids around the world and um, what ancient civilization they're connected to, but I really could not tell you one of the 12 steps in the order um, that it was supposed to be there. Uh, so yeah, I want to blow my mind in all sorts of sorts of ways. And I'm glad the conversation went there and it became a little more spiritual and a little woo woo. And I really loved it. And I really love that Scott hung out with me. I'm glad he was just really honest, uh, about his journey. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. I think I'm going to call it the 13th step with Scott from Truzilla. Welcome Scott from Truzilla to What's up? Project Cheney. And I'm so excited Woo. to have you. Oh dude, this is amazing. Like, uh, you know, we've chatted a couple times and, you know, we've been going back and forth on the social medias for a while. I love the new backdrop there. I know uh, probably people listening can't see it, but she's she's full in effect. Project Cheney mode there with the, the graffiti tag in the back. That's so cool. But no, it really is an honor to be here, Cheney. You know, I know that you're starting this new project and the fact that you reached out to me individually to come on the show and chat means a lot. That's awesome. Oh, that's really... I One of the things that I... Um, love so much about you and I feel it come on on other shows that we've talked about is I feel like you've looked into the spots of conspiracy that other people are afraid to look in to be labeled things um, in this kind of realm and uh, a big thing for just me as a white person and I'm sure you like some of the stuff in certain rabbit holes I've jumped down like to be labeled a racist or um, an anti-semite is like really fucking scary shit I know this is a really heavy way yep. to start it and we're gonna get That's into great. so much other stuff love it but it's such um, really heavy shit and there's so many of our rab- rabbit holes we go down that you end up either at World War II or mm-hmm. Uh, the state of Israel or uh, like the is Isis Ra and then uh, L like the is Ra L like there's so many different rabbit holes that lead to this thing and sometimes when you're a white person you can't talk about it and I can always feel like we're gonna scratch the surface with so much fun stuff that I'm into talking about but I'm uh, and I yes. feel like you are too, uh, but there's always other people yeah. in the room. <laughs> totally. Huh? There you go. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you. And I think, it, you know, Sam says it a lot. I think it's, you know, absolutely valid, regardless of anything. You can criticize a government. You can criticize a state. You can criticize, you know, some power structure without it being boiled down to whatever ethnicity that is correlated with that. Like I can criticize the Chinese government and still love Chinese culture and love Chinese people. I can still criticize the Israeli government with, without any sort of disdain for the Jewish faith or, or, or people who live in Israel. You know, I can criticize all that stuff. And that's completely fair game. You know, it's just the reductionist thought of just, it's all about race. It's all about ethnicity. It's all about, you know, and, and if I, and if I, it's just, a, it's just a bullshit way that they can take our feet out from under us without addressing the issue itself. You know, it's just, it's just, their go-to, the go-to 
method and, and so powerful, so powerful. And we've talked about this a couple of times on the show and I don't know if you've heard, but you know, we kind of came up with an idea to flip the script on them. Right. Have you heard, did you hear I us talk about that? I hear all about the idea. Um, by okay. the way, well, it's, um, it's, which I yes. gush about it before you get here. Um, but yeah. they talk about all of this stuff on the Truezilla podcast, which is yeah. doing the good, good stuff. So, <laughs> well, we're, we're doing our best and yeah, we got some exciting stuff coming up too. I'll have to talk about it, but, uh, so here, here's the deal, right? So, you know, free thinkers, people who uh, don't go along with the narrative, who, you know, the subversives, you know, we are you know trying to be pinned down under this label of white supremacist, domestic terrorist, right? Well, you know, to me, it seems like, well, okay, so if they're going to call me a white supremacist, I'm going to flip the script and call them something just equally maybe as preposterous as that right and what's the only other thing the one other thing in the world that you'd rather not be called than a white supremacist way worse probably um uh faggy witch a pa- maybe a patriotic faggy witch no 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 <laughs> you, you got to go even deeper than that what's the one pejorative term that you would rather not be called up above anything else a rapist? something you can't Yes. <laughs> How about this? Gonna, yes, 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 yes. Exactly. Don't keep asking exactly. me. I'll okay. 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 That you're okay. Like, well, that's awful. Well, how about no? That's that's great. No, I, I like it. So here, check this out. So, I'm of the opinion that if you are in support of mask mandates, particularly if you're in support of masking children, then I think that you're just making them harder to identify because you're a pedophile. I think that if you support, if you support mask mandates, you are a pedophile. I think that if you watch CNN all day long, you are a pedophile. I think if you voted for Joe Biden, you are a pedophile. <laughs> so that's it. We flipped the script completely. There are a bunch of pedophiles. Oh, you're going to call me a white supremacist? Okay, pedophile. What? <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it's I a mean, way that it's like if you want to slap me with this blanketed term so that it forces me to not ask any further questions. I think that's where yeah. um, my avatar frees me in this realm or this timeline or this simulation, whatever way you want to look at it, frees me to say a lot of stuff that what are you like? I'm a self gay hating gay. Like, no, Mm. I'm not. I, um, because I have conservative values. I have liberal values too. We're just not in that dichotomy right now where we're, um, all, all eyes are on the crusty people with the, um, you know, chicken farm, you know, having their chicken coops. It's that's not what we're doing right now. We're in this like crazy fucking world where I even think the softest hearted people I know because they're so, so soft hearted, they're being guided by the nose, um, by a narrative that I don't know if they necessarily believe it anymore. It's just that it's the opposite of Trump. And I do think Trump had to not be there anymore for their false dichotomy to start falling away. Yeah. Like it was, I, like I think so. man could not be there any longer. We like, we all know that election was bullshit. <laughs> like we all know that shit was stolen and all that, but it couldn't, the news narrative couldn't keep having uh, big, scary daddy Trump. Or then um, we couldn't talk about all the real evils in the world that still need to be fucking talked about. Mm-hmm. From the yeah, it's just to the vaccines just a, to that. Oh yeah, it's just a cop out. Like I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't even know what they're doing without Trump in office. I think they're still trying to pin it on. Or no, here's what it was. I was watching. 
I don't ever watch freaking the news, but I just happened to be watching it. I don't know where I was at, like the gym or something. And I saw this big headline that said, it's Tucker Carlson, the new Donald Trump. And I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing here. So they need to find, they, they need to have that figurehead. They need to have their angst directed somewhere, right? Again, to avoid discussing the issue itself, right? It's just uh, and crazy. I- I love being in Florida. I encourage everyone to move to Florida. I'm like, we should all move here and just take over. Like, let's just pinpoint it. So we're all in a place and let's just take over a place that's already doing the rad shit. My other side, because I'm always, I'm like every other week, I change my mind about shit that I thought I was so like steadfast in. The other side of me is like, no, why do they get beautiful Oregon why do they get to make everyone leave and all the fighters leave to like rebuild why all the other you know I hate using the words like sheep and NPC but it is I mean they're the words of the people that are just playing along with the narrative Um, and one of the things that I like that you guys do uh, on Truezilla and with the community is you guys are like standing up and taking a fight and you have stores that are, you know, staying open for people and without, you know, so you don't have to have the masks yep. and um, you have group meetups, which I think everybody yep. need, be, needs to be doing across the country. Uh, yeah. You have group meetups where you're encouraging people because there is strength in numbers and it, it's, totally. it's an addiction to stand up for yourself. And once you stand up it for is. yourself, once it becomes easy to not wear the mask the second time, yep. and if you can look to your left and right, even if it's to strangers and they don't have a mask on too, it's easier to get your groceries and just remind yourself that you're a fucking lion again. Yep. And you guys yeah. are doing all that stuff and I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Cheney. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like I think uh, just out of this whole podcasting journey, that's been really the big miracle is just like this whole fellowship of people that have kind of just, you know, reached out and, you know, obviously like I, I can't imagine where I'd be right now without the podcast. Like not only to have a place to go to every week to just vent, but also just having the camaraderie like that Megan and Ed and I have, but then also just all the other people, the listeners that have reached out and, you know, I've literally made some like, like I consider some of these folks family, like some local people here in Eugene that have reached out you know, and, and, uh, it's, it's so, and we hang out with them like outside it just like, you know, I've gone to this guy's house and worked on a project, you know what I mean? And it's like, wow, dude, that's like the nicest people ever. And, you know, so we, we actually just did an episode last night with uh, her name's Mackenzie. She's starting a podcast too. You're going to have to, you're going to love Mackenzie. You got to talk to her. Um, but she started the Portland freedom cell. Um, and so we went up there and, you guys have so many got exposed. Is she the one that you guys went out to eat with? Like, did you do a, you did a recording with somebody that you guys were like not in studio. Oh, yep. Oh, okay. That's Tara. That. That's Tara. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's Tara. Yeah. You'd love Tara too. You'd got like, like all these folks, any of you want to talk to any of them, you know? So, uh, but yeah, so Mackenzie, she, uh, she basically started the Portland freedom cell and we went up there. Cause again, Oh, actually, uh, Adam from Deborah gets red pilled. <laughs> Back in the day when he was just a listener, reached out and said, hey, have you guys heard of Freedom Cells? And we're like, no, no, I don't know. It's like, hey, we got one going on up here in Portland. So we went up there and immediately walked into this room. And it was just like, you know, this room full of people. And when we, we were a little late. And so we walked in and uh, they were talking about geoengineering, chemtrails and like CIA mind control experiments. We're like, OK, we're home. Right. And, and, and again, this was maybe back in August pretty well into the whole lockdown and like literally being in a room full of people, no masks talking about chemtrails, dude. I was like, okay, this is, I'm into this. 
So, you know, and, and really what, what it's kind of evolved into is we came back down here and started our own and we've just got this massive, like we've got about 120 people in the main group. And that's kind of like you go to freedomcells.org and, and you can come onto our page and then there's an email address that you email. And if you kind of are, if, you, if you're determined that you're okay, then we'll give you the link to the main telegram group. And then when you're show up to one of our meetups in person, then you get a link to the other telegram group where you can, you know, so that that's exclusively for people who have actually shown up to a meeting before. So we kind of build trust that's awesome. that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, and we've got about 40 people that regularly, sh- I would say, show up to the in-person ones. So it's a pretty legit deal. And that's we're great. talking everybody. Like crazy, like just meeting the people that you've created relationships with in the flesh. Yeah. Like you've created legitimate yes. relationships. You have real trust. You've probably shared shit and had energies with them and exchanges with these people online yeah. going through 2020 in this scamdemic or whatever. And um, yeah. it's so crazy. And I've only really honestly met one of like... I have some of my best friends in the world are people I've never touched in the flesh yet. Totally. Totally nuts to me. Like some of the people that like I adore, like I think they're my, they're my tribe. And, uh, I can't even fathom like on the regular basis of creating these little group meetups. Cause you get to do it as like you from Truezilla, but also you as like part, like really developing relationships in this community. It's special. Honestly, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I kind of keep trying to keep the Truezilla thing out of it. You know what I mean? Like we kind of just are just people showing up, and it's and the whole idea behind it. Uh, you know, the whole freedom cell movement is all decentralized. Like nobody's the leader, no one's running it. You know, I you know whatever. You know, I've there's different people that t- take on different roles within. They call it the cadre, right? The cadre is like your little group, and you're supposed to have like your inner cadre, which is like eight people, and then your middle cadre, which is twenty people or whatever. And then your meta cadre. And so like the inner cadre is like, I would say the people that are in that telegram group, the ones that show up. And then the middle cadre would be like maybe all the people who are in that main group, but maybe haven't shown up yet. You know what I mean? I don't know, maybe. And then the meta cadre is like the Pacific Northwest region. So like the, the, there's the Roseburg one just down the road from us. And then the big Portland Cascade regional one. And so it's just like, and then we got a big camp out festival here in May here in a few weeks. So that's, Oh God. To just hang out and be like, okay, work hard, play hard. Yeah. It's going to be pretty awesome. So, you know, I always, we say it on the show all the time, but like just anybody out there listening, if you, if you, if you're interested, like go to freedomcells.org, look for one in your area. And if there isn't one, start one, because I know like Derek bros, um, these guys are going on a lot of podcasts They're they're, they're getting the word out about freedom cells and, and it's kind of like a beacon. And there's a lot of people going to that website and looking. And, and I hear a lot of people saying that they go there and they don't see one in their area. And then they just give up. I know a lot of people are going to that website, looking for, for community. And uh, if they don't, a lot of people though, are, will get discouraged and, and just not start one, you know, but I don't encourage everybody just start one. We started one and like for a couple of weeks, there was nobody. And then all of a sudden, poof, it just took off. And people start inviting their friends and their family. And it's, it's just, it's powerful. I've met some of the most amazing people ever to the point where I almost wanted to do a branch off podcast uh, called the cadre. So anybody that wants to, you can have that name, go run with it where I was just going to interview people who I'd met in freedom cells. Cause almost every single one has this amazing story. 
And so if you go back, like our last few episodes um, have just been local people that I've met through the freedom. So that we've met through the freedom cells, not all of them um, like the gleaners episode, uh, Josiah who wrote this little, did you see that one at all by any chance? No. It's the, uh, check that one out. It's the, uh, it's called COVID-19, a counter argument. So I met, so we had this, this uh, meetup and it was, uh, there was like this younger kid there, like little 19 year old kid. And I was like, God, is this Antifa? What the fuck's going on here, dude? Anyway, he got to, we got to talking and he's like, check this out. And he like busted out his laptop. So he's a U of O student and uh, university of Oregon busted out his laptop. And, and he has just been going so hard, like trying to fight the university on their COVID lockdowns. And he wrote this like thesis paper, uh, de- just deconstructing the entire COVID thing from every single angle, like from the lockdowns to like suicides to masks. To, and he has this massive like collection of research and everything is linked. Everything's linked to like New England Journal of Medicine, like PubMed. It's all freaking <laughs> peer reviewed, random controlled trial studies. The whole thing just deconstructs the entire thing. It's insane. So I was like, bro, you're fucking amazing. <laughs> I have one so. oh, so one younger dude in my life that is 18 and he is yeah. totally woke and yeah. it's impressively woke and he's intelligently woke and I hang out. I don't know him in person. I just uh, chit chat with him in a chat yeah. room. Um, yeah. But I feel like I know him and he's yeah. wonderful and it makes me so excited that there are like these i i never part of the conspiracy game which maybe you can relate to me here i don't want to put uh words in uh your mouth um i was so into the logical conspiratorial like map uh figures dates Mm -hmm. masculine of it and now mm. the more I get into the feminine, woo-woo, energetic magic of it, it's kind of blowing my mind. And so I do think maybe I believe in like star seeds and indigo children and all these mm. things. If you would have told that shit to me like two years ago, I would have been like, Boo! like that was not my yeah. cup of tea with what I wanted to sit around the fire and talk about. Um, but I am meeting that and little young kids that the more I'm present with them, like that are just saying crazy shit, like kids are attached to things. And they just, I had a kid look at me and just come right up to me while I was working. And he was like, hi, Chaney. And I was like, hi. He's like, I'm magic. And I'm like, yeah, I think you are. And then he just went back and played. But for some reason he needed to just tell me that. And I was like, I think they're like super attached. There's it, it's hard to find the religion that wouldn't say they were attached to source mm-hmm. somehow. I don't know. Absolutely. How woo woo do you get? Let's do it. I'm all about it. You know, <laughs> I would say that I probably like I, I I just have thoughts and, and opinions, but I haven't I haven't done like the deep dives, I would say. That's that's something that I, I have a very much an interest in. I'm still trudging along through uh secret teachings of all ages you know what i mean so oh, it's such a trudge. Uh, that's, it's so yeah, yeah 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 no it's great though like every time like i'm actually i put it down for a while and then i like kind of like i've been like highlighting as i go you know what i mean and then uh i kind of got to a place where i was like forgot what i'd read so i just went back like 200 pages and just like started over so i'm just plowing through it again i'm at pythagoras 
discussion Pythagoras, right? I have no attention span. So I use yeah. it more as a reference to whatever other digs I'm on. And then yeah. all, whatever in, enters my brain, it's in the back of the book. And I can find oh, yeah, like huh? 30 different symbols and religions <laughs> and it's too much. It's almost too much because then it'll send me on a rabbit hole on a page just from reading two paragraphs and I'll forget what the original point of me opening the book was. Um, yeah. But I love that. Well, I, well, shout out to the Grimerica guys. I heard they just did a whole audio book on tape of it. Like they just did a whole reading of it. So I think you can go support them by. I don't know if uh, they did the Manly P. Hall one. Oh, really? I oh, they okay. Did a okay, different, okay. Uh, it's like a secret. It's a different one of those esoteric books that is in like okay. the top 20 of books you need to hear or read, okay. but it's definitely, they are doing awesome oh. books on tape. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Too. My bad. Yeah. No, but it's yeah, such a Yeah. I was like, that's title. quite the undertaking. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, anyway, go out there and support the Grammarica guys. What are you doing? <laughs> so, anyway. Who's God to you yeah, right yeah. now? What's God if there's a God? What's God to you right now? Well, you know, that's a very interesting question. So like part of like my journey has been um, very, you know, uh, kind of a pursuit of finding out what that question is, you know what I mean? Like, and being in tune with whatever that is. And for me, that's been uh, in the context of recovery. Um, it's, you know, without like going too much into it, you know, like, uh, you know, part of the, the tradition say that we're not supposed to even talk about the specific program or anything like that, but we can say in general terms, like 12 step type stuff. Um, you know, I, I uh, found myself in a place where I was like, what are the 12 know, steps? You want to know what literally the 12 steps are? Yeah. Okay. The 12 steps are pretty groovy. So, and you know, I believe that everybody should take the 12 steps. And, you know, there's, there's people say that like, it was actually brought to my attention very recently that like all the, the, like the AANA stuff, is very Masonic, very like kind of, kind of stuff going on there. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. There's a lot of symbolism involved with it, but the 12 steps, 12 steps. First one is, uh, I don't see, I can pretty much do it from memory. So the first one is you admitted that you are powerless over blank and that your life has become unmanageable. Right. So for me, that was, drugs and alcohol. My life, I was powerless over it. And a lot of people have a lot of problems with that step because um, nobody wants to admit powerlessness. I'm not, I'm not, I'm powerful. I'm strong, especially when you're, you know, in active use, right? It's like, I'm, I want to have all the power, but literally like the, the paradox of it, there's so many paradoxes in it and stop me anytime. If this gets too much, if this no, gets too much. I love it. I love it. Okay. Cause this is, this is definitely a rabbit hole. So we'll, we'll give you a little triage here. So. So the first one is, uh, so when you, when you admit your powerlessness and you surrender and you stop fighting it, that's when all the magic happens. That's when you can finally get some perspective on it and actually do something. Cause like, literally that's the first step is just saying, okay, that's what the, I have a problem and I need some help. That's it. I, I and once you stop fighting, then the help shows up. Like one of my favorite sayings is, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. And I'm like, Oh, I love that. Yeah, I was thinking the be water, my friend, and how important that was for me, like just being a stone my whole fucking life and not being part yeah. of the stream at all. Like you'll never reach yeah. the ocean if you're the rock. Yeah. The oh, yeah, shore. totally. Totally. So that's the first step. Right. And they say that the first step is the only one you have to do perfectly. You have to surrender. You have to just, OK, I'm done. You know what I mean? If you got any sort of reservations like, yeah, I, I'm done, but maybe in like 10 years I'll have a beer or something, you know, it's like, I don't know. 
And so to me, it's like a program of complete abstinence. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, smoke, like do heroin for 30 years and you smoke weed. You know what I mean? Cool. That's great. More power to you, dude. I just, I just, I just, <laughs> the type of person I am, once I get any sort of mind altering substance in my body, dude, it's game on and it's bad. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so that's, just kind of what I've, I've, that's, this is what's kept me. So even psychedelics, any of it, your complete abstinence from I, all substance, complete abstinence. I've done it all. And then, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's taken How me to a pretty dark place. I will have five years here pretty soon. Congratulations. You know, at the end of this year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I think you. Actually work is everything. Like it's yeah, everything yeah. in your life. So if you wake up every yep. day and then the worst days and best days, don't do that thing. Cause everyone thinks it's just the worst days. I would yeah. think the parties and the best days and the celebratory days might be equally as hard and yeah. um, all those days. And yeah. then to just oh, find yeah. your high and other shit is pretty awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's the, the highs are so amazing, dude. Like I'm doing things in my life. I can't even possibly imagine. Like, and there's no way I'd be able to do it even if I was distracted with anything else. But anyway, Have you I'll, I'll power through a little love. Uh, yeah, I would say yes, I have, but I don't know. That's a whole nother ball of wax. Okay. Number two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the second step, the second step is, uh, made a decision. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, oh gosh, uh, let's see to, uh, uh, came to believe, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. So I come to the realization that maybe possibly there might be something out there that might be able to restore me to sanity. So I don't actually have to do anything. I just have to maybe open my mind to the possibility that something outside of myself might be able to restore my sanity. It's kind of interesting. So uh, that kind of opens the door to the idea of the higher power, right? So the third step is I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of, it's, it actually uses the word G-O-D, God, but, but we like to emphasize that it's not like any, it's your, whatever God you want, whatever your higher power you choose. That's what you want to get about it. Yes, it could be absolutely. Buddha whatever 100%. You whatever you pick. And so that's the cool part about it. And a lot of people get hung up on that. Like you go to your first meeting and you see the G O D word, capital G O D. You're like, Oh hell no, I'm out of here. But no, 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 that's not it at all. And so that's the cool thing is just like the eternal question is like, how do I know that I am in alignment with my higher powers will? And so like to answer your original question, like what is my higher power? Like that's the cool thing about this journey and working these steps. And like, you know, once you finish the steps, you start over and then I'm able to look at what my answer was you know, a year ago or two years ago and look at where I'm at now. And the cool thing, especially about like steps two and three, when it comes to the higher power, like it talks a lot, of, like there's so many different questions in each step. You know what I mean? That your, your mentor, your sponsor will take you through. But, uh, you know, one of them is like, shh, you know, discuss some evidence of a higher power working in your life. You That's know? very Masonic. And, it's like yeah. even the first rule, I think, of Mas the Masonic, uh, I didn't, I almost called it a religion. Freemasonry, yeah. Free yeah. It's you have yeah. to be reverent to a power higher yeah. than yourself. Yep. And a lot of yeah. people have a hard time with that. And to me, mm -hmm. philosophy-wise, just backing up because I break my brain with thinking of all different schools of thought always with the religion and I don't land in any one yet. Um yeah. I think that in my life, I've sat in the lowest low, and sometimes you're not enough. Sometimes the the I the 
idea of God or the idea of a friend or the idea of a lover or a parent or a sibling or whoever, just being there is what gets you out of that lowest low. And so I think that reverence is super important to kind of having some kind of faith or hope. And I mean, not to get all quantum on it, but it seems like that's how you control the matrix is by having that kind of faith or hope. Um, I, I agree. I agree. And and just the quantum element of it, how it's like almost everything and anything at any given time and all variations and variables of it that you can conceive times infinity. Like that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to like define my higher power. I don't want to like put a name or a label on it. I want it to be much bigger than that. As soon as I start to define it or label it or even begin to understand it, then I'm putting limits on it and, and I want it to be as limitless as, as, as conceivably possible. And then some, you know, and so it's almost like one of those paradoxes again, where it's like the, the more in tune I am, the less I understand, like same thing with conspiracy. The more I go, the deeper I get to realize, I realize <laughs> there's so much more to it and there's no way to ever, um, you know, wrap my head around it. And nor would I want to, if I were to understand what my higher power was or even have any conceptualization of it, then that would make me, some sort of God. And I don't want that, you know, that's, that's like the rules is like, yeah, you can pick your own God. Just make sure that you're not it. That's it. <laughs> you know? Would I ever and be so, able to come up with the grunty words in English and the words I can speak and the tongue I can portray? Could I ever mm-hmm. have the words to tell you how wonderful, beautiful, lovely, like what word do you use to describe God or even uh, the God between us, like the energy between us mm. right now, or yeah. uh, how you look at, how do you describe the real um, yeah. knowing of God? And I know people get, um, for me right now anyway, I know people get all caught up in God devil and like speaking about it in simple terms. And it's like the PC culture conditioning of us. Even mm. as conspiracy theorists, there's certain words that um, we've even done it to each other. So you'll be like, I, I like, when did you wake up? And you're like, I'm woke. Oh, you're not allowed to say woke anymore. Or you'll be like, I'm <laughs> yeah. just here to spread the truth. Well, what is the truth? We don't even know the truth. Uh, What's true today could be wrong tomorrow. It's like we're all nitpicky with each other with these words yes. that we're saying, even though we know what we're trying to say. We all yeah. are aware what we're trying to say, but instead of debating the ideas, we're like dicing the words apart. And I think that's even what God has become to me. This like glue, this connection between us, yeah. this energy, this fucking higher self that you know you're just waiting to remember. It's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I think it is yet, um, but I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's protective. I think it's magical. Um, but I loving, uh, loving yeah, and caring. Yeah. And I also yeah, yeah. think sometimes it's hard and it's like, you know, all the things we said were really feminine. I think sometimes it's really masculine in that way that it's like, nope, you can get back on your bike. Like, yep, you fell down, but you can do it. And it's really fatherly and it's really like mm-hmm. protective. I think it's both these things kind of mixed together in a way. And I don't think necessarily because things are dark, they're evil. Like, I don't know. And I could be totally wrong on this. This is like, I think there's a yin and a yang. 
Yep. And oh, yeah. I think there's dark and light. And my light is my feminine heart. And it's like my nurturing, loving, giving, like all these things um, that we could say are feminine, motherly things. My uh, dark is my masculine logic. It's uh, protective and providing, and it protects my divine feminine. It makes sure right. that's safe. And my divine feminine makes sure that my masculine has spirituality. It's these two things that are working together in yeah. all of us, I kind of think. But I think somewhere evil, it was easier for evil to hide in the dark and for it to convince the world. Well, actually, I think it was easier to hide in the light, but it convinced mm. the world all darkness was evil. So we're all scared to look in the dark. We're scared to swim in the water with Jaws. We're scared to, scared to go in the woods with Blair Witch. We're scared. We're fear. We're fear. We're fear. We're fear. Those are all the things we used to do, I think, tribally as people to find spirit. We used to stare in the woods and stare in the fire. And I think they've kind of feared us off um, like our feminine told our masculine to like take those walks away from our tribe. Mm -hmm. And we were brave enough to do it because our masculine was there. And then we saw the beautiful things we saw because our feminine could had the eyes to see it. Like, I think it was somehow a mix that was happening forever. And then evil infiltrated. I don't think evil is the darkness. I think our poly, like the duality, I know, I know like hermeticism's big in our school of things. Mm -hmm. I think our duality is broken. So when people are mm. like, well, it's either Republican or Democrat, who says that's the duality? Mm. Like, I won't let them create the duality for me. So when it's like good or evil, nope, I won't take that. I'm going to change my duality so that the way I like am in love with my wife right now. Mm -hmm. becomes the new way that's my new bottom that's the new way i love everyone and then i find a new way to love her that's bigger than anything i've fucking ever felt like there you, it, go. you know it's like can you like i don't know can you imagine if we like love humanity in this way but somewhere evil infiltrated it and it made us shameful it wasn't about being fucking covered in clothes that's a simple idea i just mm -hmm. think somewhere we started to shame questioning things and shame going against the grain and being like, we've all just been conditioned to be shamed and to shame each other. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That was a whole big idea that I just, no, that's great. There's <laughs> so much there. Oh my like, gosh. I know. I just, I'm like, would, here's a bunch of word vomit after I um, smoke some weed and drink a ginger no. ale. And <laughs> I love it. Like, I, I mean, just the idea of, you know, maybe the dark isn't necessarily evil and like, like there's light and dark, I mean, I can think of like, you know, in the pursuit of doing righteousness and doing good, sometimes there's violence and destruction and, and not not in the way that like, you know, <laughs> bombing Syria or any shit like that. But like, like sometimes, you know, you table. like Jesus yeah, Christ, to, he's like, fuck these bangers. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to stand up, you know, and I think that the, the real evil is not standing up. I think that. That, that there's there's cowardice like that's that's the darkness, you know, cowardice would be. A part of the darkness that's not necessarily evil i would say that uh ignorance is part of the darkness but not necessarily evil you know and uh you know all, all of the you know what what like the sins the seven deadly sins right like that's part of the darkness but not necessarily evil you know um and i think that that's very interesting to think of you know that maybe there's a third dimension to it you have the light the dark and then the evil that infiltrates both and you know of course you know that part of their the religion 
of all this is the inversion, right? The inversion of everything to where now what is considered righteous has been so, I would say, demonically infused with evil. <laughs> and, and those of us who do want to stand for truth and light, and, and we're the ones that should be out there screaming, no justice, no peace, <laughs> you know, because we're trying to bring about, like, like if, if people had justice in the world, we wouldn't be dealing with all this stuff, man. And it's, it's like been so corrupted and so fractured that, uh, you know, I feel you. That's, that's an, it's a really interesting one. <sighs> What's that five? Are we on to that five? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So let's see. Uh, no, no, no. So that, that was the this first is perfect. three. This so is kind he, of like, was it's almost like shit. I should make my own 12 steps for this podcast and walk everyone. Totally. Through this. this is amazing. <laughs> Dude, the, the 12 steps, I think everybody, before you graduate high school, and then when you're like, every, every decade, you should do the 12 steps in your own life. You know, it's not specific to substance abuse at all. So steps one, two, and three are kind of, they kind of go together. That's kind of like, uh, they, they say that, uh, I can't remember what it is. I'll thought maybe. But anyway, it's like identifying or maybe just opening yourself up to a power greater than yourself. And, and so like uh, step four, Step four is the doozy. This is where we lose a lot of people is step four. Step four is you make a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself. And so that is where you go in and you write down on a, in a notebook all your deepest, darkest secrets, everything that you've ever done wrong, everything that you've ever, everybody you've ever hurt up to and including like, I'm talking everything, everything you've ever done, every person you've ever hurt, every person you've ever killed, every crime you've committed, every single transgression you can think of, you write down. <laughs> It's intense. That's very and, Scientology. Uh, you know, it is. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I, I guess I don't know what Scientology. Uh, <laughs> that's how you get but... clear: is you write down all your oh, transgressions really? and everything, and um, as you kind of let yourself, you, you forgive yourself of those things. They believe your IQ gets higher. Mm. I mean, skull and bones too. It, but that's one of their. Isn't that like skull and bones too? Like death and resurrection ritual or something? Where you like like Matt Damon like laying naked in the coffin right like telling them all their all their darkest secrets right something like that <laughs> I know it seems right? like such a crazy so, way to, and uh Nexium that was the Nexium Nexium yeah they all had so, to send naked pictures okay. and their dark secrets yeah yeah so so yeah I guess I never made that connection so but still it is kind of like a little death and resurrection ritual. No, there has to be Steps something four and five. I think the elite take rituals yeah. and they invert them all to make them negative. But I do think ritual is yeah. super important because ritual just has intention. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. So steps four and five kind of go together. So step four, you write down your searching and fearless moral inventory. And step five, you admit to God, to yourself, and to another human being the exact nature of your wrongs, which means that you, with your sponsor, generally, you sit down and you read your fourth step to them. And as a sponsor, you're supposed to go with them and like all the stuff that they share, like all the, the crazy shit, you're just supposed to be like, that's all right. You know, I did that sort of thing too. I did that too. You know, that was my experience. And all the shit I wrote down, that was like, holy shit. Like, this, and, and then like the, the stuff you're going to take to your grave, like that's a question on there. Like after you, write down all your shit. Like then it's asked, you know, okay, now write down all the things you're going to take to your grave. It's like, motherfucker. All right. <laughs> and, and so you share all that Did with another human being that you thought you were going to take to your grave that now yeah. as a person you are like, I don't have, it doesn't weigh on me the same. I yeah, exactly. need to take it to my grave. 
exactly and that's what it was it's like the releasing of it and then as a sponsor you're supposed to be like that's all right you know that's that's i did either i did the same thing or you know that was just what you do in addiction i mean i know million i know 10 other people that have done that you know that sort of stuff you're supposed to take all the power out of it right so you're not so alone and trapped and, and having it wear you down so very much very much a death and resurrection ritual type of thing so step six step six and seven kind of go together step six is now you go back to your fourth step where you wrote everything down and you're supposed to pull out all of your character defects so you uh write a list of all your character defects um you write down all your defects of character and then seven step seven is you humbly ask your higher power to remove them and so basically you turn over your defects and there's some stuff that you do that kind of like helps you. Like when you're noticing in your day-to-day life that you're acting up in your character defects, then you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I What's have something I can do to working on right now. I'll tell you defect. one of mine. I'm dismissive and I'm trying dismissive. to work at it. It's my, um, my logic's cold. And sometimes when information or when people are giving me information, it goes in really fast and I file it away. And then I start talking and it makes them feel in a way that I just, I emotionally dismissed their idea. And so Mm. I have to like the, my computer of me needs to be like human need feeling back at them. (laughs) Yeah. So I wow. am working at not being dismissive to people I care about. Good. That's awesome. I would say for me, patience has been an ongoing thing. You know, patience is hard. I think, uh, you know, one of the old, just fear and all it's in all its shapes and forms, you know, fear is just a very kind of under kind of underrides a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? So do you just, have kids? I don't have any kids. What are you scared nope. of? It's just like not not necessarily. It's just weird, like just fear of what people are gonna think, or fear of not, uh, you know, what, what's what's gonna happen in the world. You know what I mean? It's just like, and so and so the opposite of that, and how you combat that is just faith. Yeah, fear, faith yeah. is the opposite of fear. Just knowing it's gonna be okay. As long as I'm doing the right thing, as long as I'm taking care of things on my end, just having faith it's gonna be okay. Because sometimes there's gonna be ups, there's gonna be downs, but just knowing that I can get through it. I always do. You know, I got lots of people in my corner, none they can't handle. That's, that's what one of the things I love about recovery is just like, you know, I see people walk through the most horrendous things. I've seen them walk through, you know, losing a child, you know, like in recovery and staying clean and, and, and walking through it, you know, so it's been proven to me that no matter what, you know, I can handle life. It's kind of like my superpower. I just know as long as I use the tools that I have, I can get through anything. Totally. Yeah, it's like as hard yeah. like saying that, like somebody losing a child. Yeah. It's like you think of your darkest dark loss. Yeah. And is it that loss? Yeah. Is it as big as that? And it really does yeah. put it in perspective a little yep. bit. So that to me that just tells me, okay, so I I don't need to be fearful. You know, I don't need to have uh fear, you know. But but as soon as I slip back from where I where I've been, like when I, as long as I get off the as soon as I get off this path and I start being like dishonest or cutting corners or uh, being manipulative or aggressive or just, you know, eventually that's going to lead me back to probably using and then all bets are off. You know what I mean? So when was the last time you've been out of Oregon? I've been out of Oregon. I think I went to California. You know, it's funny. I went and visited a friend just outside of San Francisco, like end of 2019. Um, And somehow we were talking about like Bohemian Grove or something like that. 
and she was like, uh, oh, that's like that's like 45 minutes away from here. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Bohemian Grove? Like 45 minutes away? Like, we got to go. She's like, okay. So we drove all the way to Bohemian Grove. Dude, it was so great. Like, <laughs> like driving, it's like this windy, like gravel road, like up to the main, like public entrance. I got some pictures, like right out front. And then while we were standing there, uh, oh, and I was playing the theme music to Eyes Wide Shut, like as we were driving <laughs> up, like super, super extra creepy. But, uh, and then like while we were standing there, like taking photos, there's like all these no trespassing signs everywhere. Like this blacked out, like super nice, like Mercedes, like who knows, like not not a Mercedes that I'd ever seen before, like brand new, shiny, like tinted black windows, just goes speeding by out from inside of it. And I'm like, shit, dude, who knows? That could have been Henry Kissinger, Barack Obama. I don't know, you know, who knows? (laughs) Damn. Anyway, what's going on in there? Yeah. yeah. The people that don't even know their names, the real people. Exactly. So yeah, I was just wondering when you felt like the full freedom of like going to the grocery store, uh, going and pumping your gas, getting on a boat, and just being your, going to a barbecue and having no COVID mention, no mask on that life. Like when was the last time you had that life? You know, it's it's pretty. I've had moments like that throughout this whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, uh. You know, the freedom sells thing has been great. Like, even though it does feel like we're kind of like underground railroad type situation where we're just like meeting. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like we do barbecues. We've been barbecuing this whole time. And Do you feel like but, yes, you're right. But to but, be alive right now? But yes, but you're right. But just normal functioning. Like I've been sitting, I'm sitting at the park here and like I've seen a lot of just people walking through here with masks on. It's like, man, ugh. It's crazy. It, yeah. It it hurts your soul a little. I yeah. feel blessed that I have um great people around me and then I and they're it's getting more and more that are moving to my state of great people and yeah. then I have my online community of like goddamn witches and warriors of awesome yeah. fucking people yeah. that I just feel like I can vent to them. They don't really judge me for going to the Home Depot and being the lone person at the Eyes Wide Shut meeting without a mask on and yes. having this like I'm there, I'm <laughs> smiling, I'm present, I'm not scared of them. But then when I get out of the store, <laughs> sometimes I feel away. Sometimes I feel like weepy. Sometimes I want to cry. Sometimes I'm mad and I want to punch something. But yeah. I don't want them to see it at the meeting. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad I have totally. my online friends. Totally. Yeah, you know, uh, just sidetrack here. You know, we're almost done with the steps, but like that has been a very hot topic of discussion on our end. Like, dude, Oregon's getting almost to the point where it's not viable. Like for me, it's not as concerning, but I know Megan and Ed are very concerned. Um, they're trying to pass this Senate bill 254, I think it is, which removes the parents ability to object to vaccinations for their children. And it even goes so far as like homeschool kids. It removes the parents ability to object to, to vaccinations. And it's like they're they're going there. These so are the number one things that I feel like people like us in this lifetime picked our avatars because we don't have yeah. children and it puts us in a place that we can fight differently. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like um I don't know who said it, you probably do, like Thomas Paine or something or Benjamin Franklin, sure. I don't even know, but it was like America used to be great because there were Americans that built trees they would never feel the shade of. And so I think it's important that not only is it Americans planting trees they'll never feel the shade of, but Americans planting trees that literally have no 
they have no child that will ever pick the fruit. They're investing in something that has nothing to do with their offspring or a bloodline or whatever um, love that people have for their child. It's an idea of like, I don't, for me, I'm in love with the constitution. I think it's the best document for a country that's ever been written. And I do buy into complete sovereignty. I think that is given to you on birth. Um, But unfortunately, we live in a realm that it requires a government uh, to protect your sovereignty. Um, and And I could be totally wrong. There's never been another government ever created that's protected that sovereignty better than the United States of America. And so I feel privileged. I never got to serve for this country or I never chose to or my avatar. I'm blessed not to have had to put myself in that situation uh, for a corporate war that I thought I was fighting for something different. But I feel blessed to get to fight now and to do it with a microphone and to avoid a fucking revolution. That's the hopes is to avoid a fucking bloody revolution man i don't know dude it's getting crazy like i was just listening to you hear old biden today Um, the old gun confiscation shit that's where if it has to do with kids yeah it's like would be my number one where i'd get the fuck out of the state where i'm like okay it's time to go you don't need to fight but once they want to start coming for your guns or gold get like uh all yeah. right, you got to get to a place where people are at least yeah. like-minded enough thinking that you're not fighting your government and your fellow Americans. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy and I think it almost seems like they're trying to instigate a civil war. Like that's really what it feels like. Like there's no way that what that like they're proposing just like, you know, all the the ghost guns and the red flag laws like if your friend even says, "Yeah, this guy's kind of crazy." Like and they'll just come take all your guns. Just kick down your door, take your guns. Like and that there, to me, if there were like a bad guy elite, their um, their Trump card, not to trigger anyone and say dad, <laughs> their Trump <laughs> card uh, would be uh, the Derek Chauvin trial. Oh yeah! Like if they were looking for one domino to try to set off what they tried to do in 2020, but and, and it it would be like waiting for the outcome of what. I thought back then um, he had fentanyl and uh, a bad batch of drugs with fentanyl in them. I've had so many friends, whether um, that have OD'd, uh, died, or uh, gotten completely maimed, like lost limbs because their body went into anaphylactic shock because of fentanyl. And actually, weirdly enough, in like 2014, maybe even 2012, I was in Portland and it was my birthday. It was 1121. And a friend of mine came in and I thought she was there to say, happy birthday, girl, here's a present. And she was in hysterics because her uh, best guy friend was in the hospital and like kind of his body was shutting down on him. He was dying. And she was like, Total not a conspiracy theorist. And um, this actually dawned on me today, this memory. And she was totally hyperventilating and panicking. And she's like, I don't know. He got bad drugs or something from China. Like, there's something in the drugs from China. Like, And I remember her saying words to me that I didn't even understand back then. And we all have fentanyl roll off our tongue now. Like, fentanyl, fentanyl, fentanyl. But what I understand about 
uh, the Derek Chauvin thing too, is he had uh, with George Floyd is he had counterfeit money and yeah. drugs, both things. I think he got from the building that was one of the first buildings to burn down in the riots, um, which Elon Omar's father uh, actually owns the block that all those buildings are on. <laughs> and another one of those buildings that's on it is the club where Derek Chauvin and George Floyd worked at together. Yep, so yep. yeah, that, so that whole fucking thing. And so anyways, I know that was a big, huge thing to get into with the domino of the George, the, Derek Chauvin trial, but it's just interesting to me that I feel like it seems like there's two sides still playing some kind of chess with us in the middle of it. And one oh, yeah. side's king that's moving across the board is this Derek Chauvin trial. That's, that's oh, what yeah. I see. Yeah, that's not going to be good. I don't think there's any outcome where it's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> I think we're being set up. And I think just the lack of I mean, there's so many things along the way, like even Trump, there's so many things along the way that could have been done to prevent the situation that we're in, I think. And I think that there's just, you know, I mean, I think the, like the, the, the whole two party illusion, you know, is like, as it's called, like, I think that's just, uh, it's kind of showed its hand, you know, the, the, the Republicans will just push back just enough to, to make it seem like there's a resistance when in fact it's all the same thing and i'm just so i don't know i think we're just being played it's so it's My so frightening and said, so frustrating um, the lefts will never get rid of abortion because yeah. that's what they run on every year and he said yeah. and the right will or vice versa the right will never get rid of abortion because that's what they run on every year and the left will never get rid of guns because that's what they run on every year yeah and it's yeah. like they're both big now with my words, I'd be like, oh, they're both these big loosh movements that we just talk about every election cycle. Um, yeah. But where I disagree is like history says that a country always gets taken over and beforehand it always has to have those guns taken. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's it's just preposterous to me. Now, unfortunately, I'm not even allowed to own guns. So I'm just like. You know what I mean? I'm one of those one of those felons. Oh, but you know, I part of, part of my addiction addiction story, but it's just like, dude, I, I still see where 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 like people need their damn guns, dude. Come on. Oh, <laughs> uh, were, were you on? Were, did you try drugs young, or were you prescription drugs young? No, no, I was a uh, I was kind of a drinker through my twenties, like high school twenties, and then like started getting some more harder stuff. Got into some meth. <laughs> That's what really took me out. <laughs> I've tried meth in my uh, life. I um, yeah. was r really young. I'm so I'm old enough to be like uh, I tried meth once before it was called meth. Oh my dad. Yeah, there you talking. go. Yeah. Hold on one sec. I'm gonna. No worries. <laughs> uh, she just got so excited. Somebody probably asked her if she wanted to go outside. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. But um, yeah, it was totally um, not called that. It was like crank or something. It was almost a party drink. Crank. Oh, yeah. And I was yeah. in a rich enough um, high school because I definitely think cocaine yeah. is a, a financial drug. You have to be in some kind of affluent uh, living situation yeah. to be able to get cocaine on the reg. Um, so yeah. I tried cocaine too young, maybe even before I ever really got into marijuana and yeah. 
thank God, you know, lucky, thank God, made it through the cocaine, like any of the monster of cocaine, young. Yeah. But when I moved to Los Angeles, um, and I only tried meth a few times, but it was so much a different commitment than cocaine ever was. But my, I yeah. snorted it in that same exact way that I would snort coke, but it was meth. And so I was used to, you know, like two hours fun, not two days I need yeah. to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's intense. Those are things like I was drinking a lot back then. And then like, I just had a fluke, like tried some, you know, smoke some meth and I was like, oh damn. Okay. Now I could get down with this. And then just completely switched. Like I stopped drinking like completely and just chased that bag, dude. And just like into oblivion, <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I found that I had quite the affinity for boosting as they call it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> boosting is, uh, running up into Walmart and running out with a bunch of stuff you didn't pay for. <laughs> Like that was my hustle, dude. I I came up, dude. I don't know. I I, I uh, yeah. That was that was kind of my hustle for quite a bit, and I came up with some elaborate schemes. And I built my own little devices that like unlock all the security straps oh, on all wow. the electronics, yeah. and like, you know, had some pretty massive hustles going on, and uh, got away with it for quite a few years. You know, several several years. Um, but ended up getting caught with. $3,000 worth of Wi-Fi surveillance cameras getting out of Costco. And I got away with it, but I got greedy and tried to sell them on Craigslist and ended up selling to some police officers. <laughs> and, and you're like, shit. Uh, and I ended up doing 14 months in prison over that, um, Oregon State Prison. Which is kind of bullshit because if they have to give you over 12 months just so you go to prison instead of jail and it becomes a whole nother headache to get back out yeah. onto the street. Yeah. Well, it was it was 22 months sentence, but I got uh, 14 months reduced sentence because I did a drug and alcohol treatment program while I was in there. And, uh, you know, that was it. You know, I got I got arrested on August 27th, 2016. Actually, that was yeah, that was the last day it was ever ever got. OK, so I got arrested August 27th booked August 28th. And then I got high once in prison on like December 4th. 2016 and then uh that's the last time i ever got high Does that and so that like was the shittiest high ever where you're just yeah like, it was what fucked. the fuck am i doing yeah it was fucked dude it was insane and so like here was the thing it's kind of a funny story so like i uh <laughs> i uh i got arrested august 27th and then uh, i was like determined i was like you know I'm done, dude. I just, I gotta be done, man. I gotta be done. This is so stupid. And, you know, I had done a little bit of 12 step stuff back in the day. And so that's kind of how I knew that, okay, maybe there's some hope if I actually take it seriously this time, blah, blah, blah. So, but I got arrested on the 27th, booked on the 28th. And on that day, I pretty much had made the commitment that I'm never getting high ever again. Um, and they, and here in Oregon, they have this place called Coffee Creek, which is like the, uh, kind of so after doing my county time and going to court and getting sentenced and blah 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 i ended up in coffee creek which is uh like an intake facility where they just kind of keep you there for like 30 days and see like you know how crazy you are what what prison they're going to send you to and just kind of do like evaluations on you and uh i knew that i pretty i didn't have that many i had just a bunch of like petty theft arrests so i knew i wasn't going to like any place bad you know any like major yard uh but uh I still had a case open, so I didn't know this at the time. So they rolled me up out of the intake facility and they were lining people up to get on the transport buses and they, they call my name and they're like, you're over here. We're going to OSP. And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. What? 
OSP, that's Oregon State Penitentiary. And that's where like the maximum security, medium max with death row. It's like the old, old, old penitentiary, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I was like, wait a minute, there's gotta be some mistake here. Like, oh my God, no, no, no. Like <laughs> You're just like, I'm a kid and I'm going to Alcatraz. <laughs> Dude, that's what it seriously felt like. I was like, oh my God. So get there. And it's crazy too, because the story goes that it was built in the 1860s. Oregon State Penitentiary is built in the 1860s. And uh, it's a condemned building. You're not even allowed to have people in the building, but apparently they just pay the fines every year to keep it open as opposed to building a new facility. So it's it's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, so I showed up and they gave me my roll up and they're like, I'm on like D block, like third tier. They're like, all right, you're all the way down on the end. And your roll up's like your mattress. Yeah, What's it's just there? like your yeah, it's like your your sheets, blankets, uh, pillow, clothes. And were you a good kid at this point? You had never been in trouble, like pretty no, much. I mean, I've been going, I've been doing the I've been in and out of like county jail quite a bit over the years up before that. And like I had built this ego in my addiction of being like this like outlaw criminal type person, you know what I mean? Like running around with people that weren't, weren't, weren't that wholesome. You know what I mean? So yeah, I definitely, but this is like, you know, on the mean streets of Springfield, Oregon. So, you know, people that are local, you'll know what I'm saying, but like, it's pretty grimy out here. It really actually is a pretty grimy. Oh, I think you hit your mic or unplugged it. Oh, can you hear me now? Yep. I can hear you. Okay. Sorry about that. No worries. I mean, it's not like, you know, I wouldn't say it's not like grimy like freaking chicago or something like that but like it's 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 pretty grimy out here but anyway so you know I, but yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't, i don't know by the time i landed there and i saw what real criminals were dude and i met some lifers and it's just like dude i don't belong here i don't belong here at all man it's interesting talking to a person uh who is going to be spending the rest of their life in prison I, I talked to a couple of them you know they have a very different outlook on the world that's for sure like i just like look in their eyes like you know honestly they're like they're nice they're nice people you know one guy said that he just finished one life sentence he'd been in there for 26 years and he was about to start a second one i was just like what the hell dude yeah, and just you know some kind of humanity with that going yeah on. yeah it's insane Is um, there any time in all this lockdown that you felt like uh, I can deal with this. Like I at least have more freedoms than I did. Or did it was the opposite where you're like, I did not get out of fucking prison to have. To no. Yeah. That's a good question. You know, one of the things that I remember feeling very distinctly, because I, 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 you know, you get to know a lot of the people in there. I met some really great people. You know, a lot of them that are still out, still clean, doing good stuff, but the majority of them ended up going back. But one of the things I told myself from day one is that, you know, I will not get comfortable here. I will not get comfortable here because there's a lot of people that do, they make it, they like, there's people that are just absolutely so institutionalized that, you know, it's like, this is their fourth, fifth, sixth time going back, like serving a year here, two years there, you know, like they're more, almost more comfortable in there than in the outside world, you know? And, and so that was something I very much told myself is that I will not get comfortable here. I will refuse to allow myself to think that this is acceptable in any way, shape or form. And so I think that that's kind of in the Pacific Northwest too. Did you have to find like, I know this is like a prison. Maybe it's like an old wives tale or something about prison. I I mean, we actually opened the show with it. Um, I wonder it for myself. Did you have to like get into a gang? Did you have to become like 
um, Aryan nation or something? <laughs> no, no. I'll tell you about the Oregon prison's hilarious. You know, it's uh, so. No, uh, but anyway, I'll just I'll just finish this real quick. So like, I got my roll up and I was at OSP and I walked down to my cell and the first thing the guy's like, "Hey, we get high in here." I'm like, "Okay, whatever you say." Just, I was like, my whole head, my head the whole time I was just like, "Just please don't rape me, please don't rape me," you know, whatever, whoever I end up with, I just don't want to get raped. That's all I want. Like, I don't care. I'll get into a fight. Like, I can do fights, you know. But please, God, please, <laughs> you know. So, anyway, I didn't get raped. No rape. It's all good. No fights even, you know. But here's the deal. So Oregon prison. It's kind of funny. So yeah, OSP was the real deal. Like that was definitely the real deal, but I was only there for about 60 days while my case that was still open was getting resolved. And then I ended up getting shipped out to a minimum security, which is just like, you know, you have your bunk, but then they have like the yard and you can go out and walk laps. And they even had a guitar, you know, that I could check out. So I would just play the guitar, you know, hang out. Like, it's okay. So I ended up at this place called Powder River, which is all the way in Eastern Oregon. And uh, that's where I did, you know, about, nine months well let's see probably about eight months because then that's where i did the six month treatment program too but uh it's like during the summer you just lay out in the yard like in your tidy whities and suntan like everyone's just suntanning you know just chilling um you can order veggie trays which is great i always ordered the veggie trays like instead of the regular regular trays so you just put in your order so you can have like vegetarian options right and then every now and then they'd bring in these little miniature ponies that had like dresses on and little like uh like i don't know like shoes almost the little miniature ponies for the inmates to like pet you know the little therapy pony <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's oregon prison so it's like it's like so i'm like why yeah, do they have yeah. dresses on like at first i don't I was know like, they... where's the story going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say, like, exactly no 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 but that's literally it like oregon prison is, is like veggie trays and therapy ponies so it's like and at the same time you know it's, it's not bad dude i read a bunch of books i wrote a book for crying out loud i uh got way back into playing the guitar you know i wrote some music like one of the songs is like part of the band that i'm in like one of our main songs you know what i mean it's like it's great you know it, it was i got so much done and it really recentered and refocused and i came out of there i you know i was scared when i got out too but i had this like renewed sense of motivation to change the way i live and like i started doing the recovery thing and like that gave me the tools i needed to be on this path and this path is pretty amazing you know it's pretty amazing and i think you know, kind of what you were talking about earlier about the light and the dark, you know, I'm convinced that, uh, you know, a person's, it, it is very much like a yin and a yang thing where it's like the deeper you go into the darkness, like the depression, the, the suffering, you know, the desperation, like when the further you get into like the emotional darkness, you know, that increases your capacity to feel that much equal, but opposite like joy and gratitude, you know what I mean? And so I just feel today, like I have just like a fuller tank, you know, I have a fuller capacity to appreciate and, and see the world in a different way for sure. Because I know that, you know, that I've seen some pretty dark, crazy stuff, you know what I mean? And I know what I don't want. So absolutely. It's almost like your ego is the glass that holds in all the knowledge and spirit and love and fear and all this good stuff. And eventually yeah. that overflows and you're like, I got all this shit together. Like I got it together. Yeah. I'm overflowing. I got all the answers. And then you have an ego death in that glass that's yeah. holding all that liquid and shatters. And, yeah. but it becomes a bigger container 
And now yeah. where you once felt like you were overflowing, now only half fills the new container. Yeah. So exactly. you're in this like new fucking spot of like, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know how to I feel. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. That's happened to me several times throughout this journey. You know, and I anticipate that it, it probably will continue to happen. You know, another thing worth mentioning too, which was just another huge red pill for me, um, was while I was in prison, you know, seeing how, you know, it's like the, the inmates, like it's, it's very much a status thing about how much you can like order off of what they call the commissary. Right. So commissary is you can order coffee, you can order like top ramen and tortillas and jars of peanut butter and bags of oatmeal, like chips, candy bars, like extra food, you know what I mean? To have in your bunk. And like, there's people that don't have anybody on the outside taking care of them, no money on their books. Like, and they're just, they're wearing like the shoes that the prison issues and you can buy shoes, you can buy a TV, buy guitars, you know what I mean? So the inmates that had like shoes, like nice Nikes and, uh, it's like home shopping network or something. It's like, it's like prison Amazon. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Like prison Amazon. Uh, so the people that had those things and, and drawers in their, in their little bunks filled with freaking peanut butter and, big bags of coffee like that's the main currency in prison is coffee big bags of coffee because there's no cigarettes anymore so like coffee is the main like currency pretty much and so you know those people have like a higher status obviously right and every day like and i didn't have anybody taking care of me on the outside i didn't have shit dude like i had hand-me-down shoes and which is better than they call them like rapo shoes, you know. Usually, if you're just wearing uh those weird pull apart wearing... like foamy sandals. No, they they actually look like uh like uh, Converse, like just regular Converse. Oh, in Oregon okay, Prison. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of had an aversion to Converse after I got. I'm like, hell no, I ain't wearing those, dude. <laughs> but now, but now, because those are fucking rapo shoes, dude. Like, but now I get it. I, I've got a pair of Converse, but um. You know, but just seeing these people like just showing up every day, just spending like, not every day, but usually it's like once a week, but like $200, $300 every week, week in and week out on like the commissary stuff. And it just got me thinking like, dude, this is it right here. Like it's very, you know, analogous to like our society out here. Like we basically fuel our own enslavement. Like these people, like if, if, you, if you just like said across the board, okay, nobody orders canteen this month period 100 percent. if you fucking order canteen you're gonna get fucking smashed out dude and like have the gangs enforce it you know what i mean then the whole prison system would just collapse boom right then and there the whole prison industrial complex because that's where they're making they're making just they charge like two dollars for a top ramen for like a five cent top ramen you know that that is where they're making all their money dude and you're just literally paying for your own enslavement it just blew my mind and uh like literally you could just stop today you stop it today. I always you know? thought that phone calls from prison were bullshit. Anytime any of my friends would call me from prison, it would cost me like, you know, on the minimum for five minutes, $12 on the bare minimum. Yeah. But if I was on the phone with them for whatever amount of time they could call or the reconnection fee would be a certain amount and they yeah. would only let them talk this much. So if they could use the phone for a certain amount of time on their free time, they would call me more than once. So that would be all these reconnection charges. And it would yep. just be like the fact that I would have to spend $50 to talk to my friend and hear their voice and do all this. And how many people, if you're in prison or 
that can even afford that, that have families on the outside that can afford a $50 phone call. And then another thing, I have to be on your list for you to even call me. I have to be on your list for you to even visit. They have to do all this. So sometimes you can't to get a hold of a person if they wanted to have a visit and all of it, it might be three, four months before all that can go through. Like they don't make it easy to stay human inside that place. Totally. Yeah, I agree. If I ever go back up for whatever stupid reason, like you guys got to, uh, I'll put you on my books so we can do like a fucking Patreon show or something. Like, <laughs> My dad used to say, um, like you are the equation of your friends. Like you are yeah. who you hang the out average. with. Yeah. Yep. Do you feel that when you look around at the people you surround yourself with that they're so much better than before? And then give yourself like a validation that, oh, I must be so much better than before. I agree. I agree. Like I, I, you know, I have Ed and Megan who I cherish dearly. You know what I mean? Like those are my, those are my definite inner circle right there. I got the guys in the band too, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and and the band people, we're all not to speak for them, but we're all kind of on the same path. You know what I mean? And, uh, Oh yeah, just just pretty amazing. It's pretty pretty blessed, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. true, isn't it? Crazy yeah. how like you sit and you can probably shut your eyes and be like sh- laying in a bunk at a fucking prison, and then you know how much time it seems like so much time, but it's really not that much time at all. And yeah. then you're like, holy shit, my life's totally where I want it to be, um, yeah. or heading there. And yeah. Regardless of what's going on outside in the scamdemic, like if you yeah. just take it on the microcosm, um, totally. That's fucking rad. Yeah, I think just in general, you know, it's it's really if you really zoom out and look at if I look at my life in particular, and I've heard this true about a lot of people, like maybe you can relate too. But just ever since this time last year, my life I've thrived harder this last year than I ever have in my life. You know, beyond. You know, I, I don't know, like just in terms of like, I mean, this podcast was the true Zilla podcast was built or just grew up out of, you know, our questioning the COVID thing, really, you know, if it hadn't been for COVID, there's probably no chance I'd be, we would have done that, you know? So, I mean, between that and like my professional life, you know, I, I you know, I'm way better job than, you know, I don't know, I got some certifications and, you know, I'm doing something now that I really enjoy, even though I'm surrounded by maskies all day really really hard and they're just pushing the vaccine so hard dude it's so hard but um anyway but uh overall you know i just i I don't think that i've ever had a better year (laughs) despite all this the misery and the darkness and just the and the just the the unknown the fear of the unnown and uncertainty has has unfolded you know i don't know I feel I'm pretty grateful, way. honestly. Yeah, I feel the same yeah. way about that. It's been, I felt like I had like 14 ego deaths right on <laughs> the edge of a cliff, just waiting for years. Like I, I had one or maybe after my dad died, I really didn't. And it took a couple years and then my cat died. And then it was like, I felt everything mm-hmm. from my dad's death. It was just like this whole waterfall. And then I was like, I refuse to feel like I'm going to turn off my heart and became some other kind of just very logical thinking being. And so it was like, it didn't matter. The ego deaths are going to happen. They're just waiting there. And, um, yeah, I did DMT, uh, on 1220. And then Ah. it was just like one after the other, after the other. And I was seeing myself 
just in the projection of everybody else, it was almost like impossible. It was anything I wasn't liking about anyone else. It was totally myself, and but it was just impossible to not see it in myself. And it was becoming, um, yeah, it was like I had to go through all this to figure out um, what kind of talk I wanted to do and like be here now. So I kind of uh, feel the same way. It was some of the hard, it was one of the hardest years of my life. Um, yeah. but like an obstacle course, I'm so fucking grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's one of my reservations when it comes to substance use is like, I never tried DMT. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. So, if anyway. you were to ever do it one day and not to ever, ever, ever put it into sure, sure, sure. form, um, it would, to- it would have to be so ritual for you. The shaman, yeah. the, like, it couldn't be in a powder form synthetically. Yeah. It would have to be the full purge. The ayahuasca um, deal. Yeah, you'd have to do the full yeah. ayahuasca. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So anyway, that's just always in the back of my mind. It's like, ah, yeah, darn it. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It just means it's totally. not. Because I really, I've done it twice, or I say 2.5 times because I am such a control freak. I had to sample it before the first time yeah. I did it to kind of know what That's I was funny. getting into. Um, yeah. And I never spiritually prepped for a drug before. I felt like that was my first time that everything shifted where I knew what I was getting into. I read so much about it, the logic in me. Um, thought I was prepared for what I was about to experience. And my first time, it was super kind to me. I felt like it was so kind that the second time I did it was so impromptu. And it was, and I asked for it. I asked was, I was like, I don't want to fuck around. Like I even asked for it in the middle of my trip. And I felt like, it gave me way more than my logic can handle. And I've had people be like, when do you think you're going to do DMT again? And I'm like, when it asks me to, like, it'll tell me the same way it did. And it took me one decade to do it the second time. So I'm like, it might be another decade before I, um, I've tried all the drugs I've except, uh, well, I'm starting to hear about ones I haven't. So it's like salvia. I've never tried salvia. I've done salvia. That's an, that's an interesting one. Um, DMT is so different. I've had people explain it to me and I'm like, nope. It's not like like everything I witnessed with salvia. It sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like terrifying. I mean, I don't know. It's been a long time, but it just seemed like it was just like. Did you do mushrooms? Oh yeah, I've done a lot of mushrooms. That was my go-to. Oh, in so terms you of like, had like, ego deaths on and spiritual yeah. experiences on drugs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've been, I've done acid. I've done probably the, the 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 most intense ones have definitely been on mushrooms, psilocybin, definitely. So. That's I'm. It's been a while. I I don't know how long it'll be before I do a heroic dose of anything again. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. I have so much yeah. respect for everything, and not that I didn't before. I'm totally into the microdosing idea of like flirting yeah. with Mother Nature a little and going camping. Yeah. But yeah. um, you know, I'm just I'm just seeking it naturally. You know, I I, I don't know. I I, I get I'm there. I'm finding a real it, high in sobriety. Yeah. I. Yeah. Definitely drink less than I ever have in my whole life where it's like, you know, months of time go by uh, without alcohol or, you know, good weeks. Um, Yeah. I do love marijuana and maybe smoke that too much, but I am trying to even keep a, you know, where I'm quit smoking weed for a few weeks and quit, you know, smoking my e-cigarette for a few weeks and quit. Like, I just feel like I need a constant quit eating meat for a few weeks. And there you go. Yeah. 
whatever. Yeah, I'm on uh, three weeks today. No nicotine. Zero. Cut it all out. 100%. Bam. Done. <laughs> I, I have this stupid e-cigarette that I quit smoking real cigarettes and started smoking this. Yeah. And I want to smoke. My Jamaican friends smoke spliffs. Like where they'll. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what if I went through a ritual and rolled my own cigarettes? Like, Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, (laughs) perhaps. You're you're so good. You're being, you're like, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm pure. No, no, no. I mean, I like, no, I I quit smoking cigarettes back in 2018. I've been vaping, but, uh, you know, I went for a jog and I was like, oh, feeling awful. Just not like smoker's cough because like smoker's cough is all right because you can like actually hack up some black shit. Like, yeah, but like vapor's cough, it's like yucky. It's just like it's it's like that still that 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 congestion but there's nothing coming out it's just like oh man my lungs are just freaking like cotton candy dude like oh my god do you do like breathing <laughs> techniques uh like wim hof or yoga where you get into this like headspace or meditation no no i need to i need to my meditation practice is uh has been diminished quite a bit lately you know i was into it for a while but man it's actually part of the steps honestly oh what's the next step okay okay so so we did six and seven, which is your character defects, which is identifying them and then turning them over. And then steps eight and nine kind of go together, which are um, eight is you write down a list of all the people you've harmed. And then step nine is you go and you make direct amends to those people, except when to do so would injure them or other people. Right. So you go back again to your fourth step, all the transgressions you've ever done, and you pull out all the people that you caused harm to. And so you write, you write it all down. As if there is no ninth step, as if you're, you're not, you know, you don't, don't worry about making the amend. You still have to write down that person, even if it's the most terrifying thing that you ever have to do, actually going up to that person and be like, hey, I'm sorry. You still have to write it down. And then you go over it with your sponsor and then you decide whether or not you're going to make that amend. You know what I mean? So a lot of times you can't make an amend and, you know, because it would either cause harm to that person by stirring up the past or, you know, just for whatever reason, there's a million reasons. So, you know, we do what's called living amends. So that way we, I just live my life in such a way that first of all, I'm not causing any more harm. I'm not repeating that behavior and I'm putting more positive energy in the world than I'm taking out. So the idea of a living amend is just, you know, that's, that's something that's really important to me because in my steps, you know, the majority of mine are living amends, honestly. So it's important to me to, to, to put more positivity in the world, you know? So that's eight, nine, and then 10, 11, 12 kind of go together. 10, 11, 12, they call the maintenance steps because you've done up until this point, one through nine, and you've done some serious work and you're a completely different person Are at this point. Are you better at now. apologizing now because of that? Or do you? Totally. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it oh, is yeah. kind of like a, a something you get better at doing. If totally. You practice it. Yeah. Because here's the thing is like, so you've gotten through step nine, you've, you've apologized and you've tried to clear up your side of the street for all the bad stuff you've done. And so now it's just a matter of just not causing any more harm. So step 10 is you do a search, you do a daily inventory and, uh, look at, you know, look at your day, you know, and where you were wrong, you promptly admit it. And so that means if you, if you look back at your day and you realize that there was an amend that you need to make, then you immediately go make that amend. Like for whatever reason, even the smallest thing, like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like, like, I kind of like was kind of snarky when I was talking to you yesterday. They're like, Oh, they're cool. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool. It's just, you just clear your side of the street immediately. Bam, 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 bam. Every time. You know what I mean? So it doesn't fester. You don't have this long list of people that you've burnt over the years. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, bam, you just fix it right then and there. And you look at like, where were you fearful? Where were you, were you dishonest? You know, stuff like that. 
So you just kind of reevaluate your day and just try and do better. Or, you know, maybe you did good, you know, I don't know. And then steps 11 is sought through prayer and meditation to improve your conscious contact with God as you understand God, basically. So that's the, so literally like in the steps, it tells you to improve your conscious contact with your higher power through prayer and meditation. So it's like, okay, interesting. So there's a lot there. Um, when was last so whatever, med- usually it's, I, I, so I was in a, I'm not going to say today, but it's been within the last few days. I tried to remember to do it in the morning. I have just like a basic, basic thing. And it's really just, you know, how can I be for this, like this type of prayer? It's like, how can I be useful to the still suffering addict? You know, that's my thing. You know, how can I be useful? You know, just show me how to be useful. That's a good mantra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then steps 12 is, this is kind of cool that I like to point out to people. Like step 12 says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts, alcoholics, whatever, and to practice these principles in all my affairs. So what it's saying there is it's saying literally it's promising you like having worked these steps, you will have a spiritual awakening awakening of the spirit so it's promising you that at the end which is pretty damn true there's so many spiritual awakenings along the way but you know i think the biggest spiritual awakening is sharing it with other people so you take what's been given to you and then you share it with others and i don't know if anybody listening to this you know i probably there's a good segment of the people like oh this guy's full of shit like fuck 12 steps fuck that you know but whatever you know whatever you know i don't know i think there's some validity to it outside any sort of substance use like i said you know and uh i think a lot of it the 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 12th step um just uh just seeing how you can be useful to others you know and to practice these principles you know that's the thing it's like trying to do the right thing when nobody's looking type of thing you know it's not always easy that's one thing i've found is that like usually uh the easy way out like the shortcut involves some sort of like dishonesty manipulation you know all that stuff so usually the right thing is thing that takes just a little bit more effort to do <laughs> you know what i mean but uh over time over time i think if you have enough of those right decisions in a row then you're gonna find yourself in this life that's pretty damn cool i don't know <laughs> i know it's pretty awesome so, i do, yeah in the world like of the people i know and um like my brother, for example, like he's had a very similar path to yours. His was just with in mm-hmm. Florida. I know it's a plague everywhere, but here specifically, the opioid epidemic was insane. Yeah. It's like there's too yeah. many grannies down here and too many medicine cabinets. So it yeah. just once it got its teeth in all the people I love. I mean, I, I mean, I have good friends and neighbors and family members, everyone, like everyone. It was just if I felt like sexist about it to be sexist about it. All the ladies I know in my life got in the the their the clutches in them were the Xanax, the Wellbutrins, the like sure. those kind of things. And for the men in my life, it was the opioids and then somewhere yeah. it crossed in between. Um, but a lot of the people that I care about, they had to serve time and yeah. uh, they served their time. They did their wrong. They made their amends. But there's something, I still feel it on some of them where they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want their opinion, even though it's as valid as my opinion. There's still a part of them that feels like, I don't know if it's that 
their freedom's going to be taken so they don't want to rock the boat too bad or mm-hmm. that their opinion's not as valid because somewhere they fucked up in society. Do you feel that way or? Um, not really. I mean, I think just literally working the, like the, the, the restorative process that I kind of described in the steps, like has led me to a place where it's like, no, I'm not bad person. I'm not invalid. I'm not, you know, in fact, I'm quite the opposite, you know, like, and so no, in fact, it's probably emboldened me probably to uh, maybe to a, something that could be considered a character defect. I don't even know. Who knows? Like, I wouldn't have the confidence to say what I say. I wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for the, the work that I'd done as far as that stuff goes. So I don't know. It might, have get, might, have, might have end up getting me freaking Michael Hastings or something one of these days or freaking <laughs> who knows. But What's so your that's what I mean by that. woke moment? Were you woke before prison or prison make you woke or? Um, well, it's funny. Cause like I was, if we're I was definitely woke. I feel like that's, no, I know <laughs> we got to come up with a different one. We got to come up with a good one. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I was definitely always questioning of stuff. I, I shouldn't say always, I would say like through the, um, through the Bush years, I was very much like, yeah, go get those terrorists. We got to get those terrorists, man. They hate our freedom type stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Oh yeah. I was like hook, line and sinker into that um the 9-11 of it all 9-11 yeah 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 yeah. oh yeah 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 and but but you know i think that was that was tower seven uh i don't know when the hell that was that must have been like 2010 2011 something like that maybe like first hearing about tower seven wait a minute what um i don't know exactly when but i remember that being a very big red pill moment and i still and i remember watching the uh what was it september 11th the new pearl harbor um, back in the day, uh, which was kind of crazy. I was just on the uh, union with freaking Massimo, uh, Massimo Mazuko, I think it was the guy who made that movie just the other day. It was kind of a trip. I but, watched uh, you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have hopped on, dude. I sometimes just love being a fan of people yeah. that I also consider friends and feel like we're all in this like community where. Yeah. Um, it's different than being, and I, this isn't egoic at all. It's totally different than being a famous person because I know people with a lot fucking bigger platforms than I ever been on that just go out yeah. of their way to be a part of the community, be awesome to the community, yeah. and then are like um, you right now being on my show or other guests that are like, of course I'll do it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I just think it's so awesome. Yeah. And that's how I feel um, to people that like listening to me that I'm like, start something, of course I'll do it. Uh, and that's what I feel like when I get to watch you on someone that I've been watching, you know, different people on there that I've been watching for years, like Burmese, you know, and whatever people that you've been, we, that, you know, have been in this thing for decades and I watch you on there too. It makes me, it's inspiring. And I just like to sit and Lindsay, like, I'm like, look, I know Scott and Lindsay. And it's like all these people that I just think like all on the same screen. I love just sitting back and watching sometimes. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it is a trip. You know, I've had a lot, we've had a lot of people reach out to us and, and I'm really like it's just the a bummer. Our limitation is that there's three of us, right? So we have such a limited schedule when we can all get together and record. And we've had many conversations about this. Like we feel like, you know, it's, it's important for Truzilla to be, be Truzilla and Truzilla is Megan Scott and Ed, you know, Megan's been recuperating from, uh, you know, her concussion, you know what I mean? And it's like, so she's been sitting out periodically, but like still like, you know, there's all these people that have been reaching out like new podcasts and, uh, 
we're like, dude, I got you on the list. I promise we're going to get you. We're going to do an episode, dude. I promise. You know what I mean? Cause that's the same love we got like Ricky Verandas, like, man, oh man, I, I got so much love and respect for Ricky. Um, he just kind of like, we reached out like early on with just some questions, really some technical questions. Um, like, God, what kind of like, like, how do I hook with the mics up? You know, like stuff like that, like stupid shit. Like <laughs> I couldn't get a clear answer on like searching it. And so like, he was just so friendly and so helpful. And then like, early on like i think it was like episode seven we had ricky on and he was just like yeah you guys come on the union i'm like what hold on what <laughs> and then that kind of just opened up so many doors dude it's 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 been a trip so i know i, think, I really had an out of body sitting in the union yeah, with like looking at the screen of people that were on it like you're there next to me in a box and then like yeah. dr judy mikovitz is there yeah and like, yeah what the <laughs> hell like, what is happening sam's in and out and then yeah. it's like yeah. people that i've seen in person are on the screen i don't know it's just a crazy a world we're living in and i also feel like it's the real news. Like we're yeah. doing the job that should be happening on all the CNN, MSNBC, Fox News talking heads, but we're doing yeah. it. It used to be it, it, the news was never. I it used to be what we're yeah. doing used to be the news. No, this is what it always should have been. Just open-minded people asking questions, yeah. you know, like yeah. <laughs> let's totally. just break down these, guess what? It's okay if we all change our opinion and, or it's even okay if you give me more information right now and I change my opinion right now, or I'm like, huh, totally. I'm going to sit on that. Like, yeah. it's just like, there is so much, um, weird ego even in our community but i definitely found like because of 2020 and us being at an end game where everybody feels like <laughs> all right we're here you guys that it doesn't matter if you're christian with mark of the beast or if you're a total atheist and you just want to talk about like the federal reserve or if you're just mm -hmm. a buddhist that just wants to talk about love and light we're here now and yeah it's like kind of amazing to see um i don't know for me like i'm a fan of you guys but i also remember when you guys started but then I also yeah. um, love how somebody like Sam Tripoli is that's, you know, how do we all find each other without Sam? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got so much love and respect for Sam, dude. Oh my God. That's crazy. I know I could just go so on and crazy. just tout off of how all these people. And I also like that you're here alone. I know you guys are true. Zilla, the three of you together. And yeah. I, um, one of the great things about all these podcasts is, I think what you guys each bring to Truezilla yeah. is so special yeah. that I want my audience to get to know yeah. you guys all a little bit separately of why the show is so fucking rad and like the kind <laughs> of people behind these shows that like, this is why this show's special. This is, you know, and yeah. um, even people maybe that don't have shows. I want to have people on that uh, yeah. are doing all, all sorts of shit in the real world to make it better. I'll tell you what, that's, that's, that's kind of a life hack. That's what I was telling you. Like, like the people I've met through freedom cells, some of the most amazing people ever. And they've been some of our recent, like biggest, heaviest hitting episodes. We had a, a gal who goes by Zoe. Um, who's a, you know, medical insider. A few episodes back, just called medical insider, dude. She dropped some serious bombs, dude. I keep meaning to like cut that episode up into like little 10 minute chunks. Cause she's dropping some serious shit, dude. Like cutting, breaking news stuff. Like I thought it was going to go like info wars level viral, but like, Cause it's literally like, she's talking about the PCR tests. Uh, God, I need to go back and review what she was saying. It was just so, so mind blowing, but like, 
something very much to do with the PCR tests and uh, how like the tests nowadays, like they're all combined, like flu, influenza, A, B, uh, pneumonia, COVID, and it's all on one test. And each one of them is coming back, every single one, COVID, 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 exclusively, period, without exception. Um, the ones that are coming back positive are coming back COVID without exception. And that's why we're seeing zero flu cases, no pneumonia cases, because they're all in the same freaking test. And the only, and it almost leads you to believe that like, these are like prepackaged, like they come from the factory with COVID on them or something that will indicate COVID. It's just insane. Um, she talks about like all the, um, adverse events or like, she's a coder. So she's seeing the inside about how these things are being coded. You know what I mean? Like, it's insane. Very whistleblower type stuff. I encourage everyone to go check that episode out. But like, these are people we just met in freedom cells, people that don't have shows, people that are just kind of just low key, you know, um, yeah, that's that's definitely a, a good a good place to to go with your show, Cheney. Like, man, I'm like you so gotta get involved. Grateful, yeah. like there's so many brilliant people that um, and yeah. people that I adore. That I think if we do it like this, we're not live. There isn't an audience. It's yeah. just you and me. Yeah. Um, there's no cold yeah. feet. You're gonna have plenty of time if you're like, don't air it. I don't want it. I'm sick about it. Uh, all that I don't think anyone will but I also yeah. want to be like first dance with me like it'll be yeah. nice and easy because I know so many amazing people with shit to say that I'm like once you do this with me like yeah. uh, like the same as your show you have a good guest and all of a sudden 10 podcasts are like yeah. I want you I want you I want you yeah. it's like we're all in this network now like I could think of yeah. 30 people to tell you guys like you guys need to get it but if you look at each one of those everybody's their own little web and their own little network yeah. of friends that like I found yep. you know Deborah gets red pilled through you yep. Um, yep. but I found you guys through Sam and it's like yep. this little thing that and then I find you know you tell me three other podcasts that you're like no these are my homies and I'm like I love yeah. that yeah, Dean Reiner. You got to get Dean Reiner. Are you familiar with him? The Up Is Down podcast? No. no. Dude, you got to check out the Up Is Down podcast. Well, some of the best ones on there. We just had him on. He was just on uh, our episode last week, I think. Yeah, last Sunday just came out. So he, that was his second time on our show. Uh, but he's from Portland. Um, we met him. How did we meet him? Oh, on the Union. On the Union of the Unwanted. And we all got to chat in, in the chat channel. I was like, whoa, you guys are Eugene. I'm in Portland. So anyway. We ended up going to a comedy show back in August and met him up there. You know, JP Sears. No, uh, you probably recognize JP Sears. He's like the long, red-haired, muscular guy on like YouTube that makes all like the kind of sarcastic, funny like. I would you, probably, you'd probably recognize him. Face. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, he was doing a comedy show up there. We met Dean up there. But you gotta check out the Up Is Down podcast. It's so legit. Like he has, I think, episodes thirty-five through thirty-eight. He does this whole like expose of like Tracy Twyman and targeted individuals, gang stalking. Okay. okay. Holy shit. It's a mind blower, dude. I love so, it. Uh, I'm gonna I will I'm gonna actually try to be good with this show too on Instagram yeah. and put everything we talk about in show notes. So when I yeah. find the links, I'll be encouraged to look at them all too. Yeah, totally. Um and Tracy Twyman, have you ever gone down that rabbit oh, hole before? I love all okay. that. I love rabbit holes. Check out Tracy Twyman. That is quite so. She was up in our uh, our neck of the woods, like in Portland. I know she was a producer on uh, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, which is kind of a big show up in, out of Portland. It's like just an AM terrestrial radio show, but he goes like four hours every night. 
uh, like five nights a week, just talking about like, you know, black eyed children and old freaking, school Art Bell shit. I yeah, love that. Yeah, old school Art Bell show. Yeah, totally, completely. And uh, anyway, so she was a producer on there, but she very interesting lady, you know, she, uh, you know, I think that her journey took her all different places. I know that she was very much towards. So she actually died. Um, I think 2019, I want to say 2000, maybe, maybe 2018, somewhere around there between, I can't remember the exact date. I remember when it happened though. I remember when it happened. I remember hearing about it when I was working on a different podcast, but anyway, uh, her path kind of took her to like channeling entities, like literally channeling entities. And she has these very vivid, intense accounts of like her, like interfacing with Baphomet, like literally. And, and it is insane. Um, she's got some crazy stories as far as that goes. And she wrote, she wrote several books on it. Um, very profound and like, you know, she's, uh, you know, very well known in like certain circles, but towards the end there, um, I know she was doing some deep, serious investigations into child trafficking. Um, and she apparently had uncovered some really insane stuff and that she was all of a sudden the target of just this massive like gang stalking operation where people were just coming after her. She was very public about it, talking about how, you know, even she even like implicated like Greg Carlwood from the higher side chats, which is kind of a crazy, like there was a kind of a crazy thing that happened there. Um, not, not necessarily him, but like somebody that was associated with him apparently was coming after her or someone claiming to be the person associated with Greg Carlwood was coming after her. Um, and just like, like serious death threats and just like people like infiltrating all of her devices. And like, it's just like, like she's talking about how like the entire fabrication, like the whole, like all of the internet could be some like, dude, there's like, you could, there could be people that aren't, you know, woke people that have never taken a red pill in their life would hear what she's saying. And would be like, like this way, this woman's insane, like schizophrenia, like type stuff. But it's like, no, 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 no. I believe every damn word she says, you know what I'm saying? Like just insane stuff. And some ultimately the that they've called crazy. I think that yeah. some of these words, it's like how we're saying woke isn't the right word anymore. It's like some of these yeah. blanket words, like frantic and crazy and, you know, lunatic and whatever. It's just blanket. So no one asks questions anymore. They become <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. They become like, uh, the, the it's no one wants to be labeled crazy no one wants to be baker acted like no one yeah. wants to be taken out of their freedom so it's like stay on your hamster wheel don't ask any questions and i think normal whatever the normal is that we're told this is with masks and bullshit and shutting your business down and losing your livelihood yeah. and not seeing your grandmother and not going to prom that's crazy so i that's yeah. what's led me to the point that i want to hear what all the people that have been labeled crazy really have yeah. to fucking say i want to hear exactly. what they have to say I, so check check out up is down podcast like episodes 35 i think through 38 and, and uh and, and it's in tracy's own words he does a lot of like her own video or her own audio recordings of her describing the situation and uh all the stuff like leading up to her death apparently she was found like hanging and there's really not, there hasn't been even to this day much information released about it. Um, Is it red but, scarf hanging by any? Ch- <laughs> not red scarf. I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Um, but no. And, and, and I mean, maybe. I mean, who knows? Honestly, like, I don't think details like that have been released. But 
he does this amazing, like not only like, like the first couple episodes are just her and her own words describing the situation. And then it turns into like a series on, um, the, the phenomenon of gang stalking and people like whistleblowers who worked for this company up in Seattle, who, you know, this company that did like gang stalking and stuff like it's, it's or who does gang stalking and electronic surveillance and just all the means and methods that they have to, you know, electronically harass people. And just, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> And but, uh, it's insane because if you try to explain it to people, it makes you sound insane. And yeah. I, an easy way I try to explain it uh, to like my normal friends with gang stalking is imagine pulling your curtain aside and there's 20 men in suits standing in your yard, just in suits staring at your yeah. yard. And when you pick up your yeah. phone to call the cops, you pull your curtain again to count them because the cops are like, how many men, ma'am? Yeah. And you pull it back, they're all gone. Yeah. That's what gang stalking is. It's it's yeah. just enough that you sound like a lunatic. Yeah. It's totally. such a weird um where you even question your own sanity. Where you're totally. like uh, what, the CIA's hunting me? Like yeah. what Hillary Clinton's in my yard? Yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, we talked to uh Tina Marie from Learn the Risk org there uh so tina marie's friends with um brandy vaughn uh who started to learn the risk and she was the rest in peace brandy vaughn yeah exactly exactly and, and i don't know if people aren't familiar if familiar with her familiar with her story but like all the events leading up to her demise too you know um <laughs> you know her on camera like describing the type of stalking that was happening with her you know they were like coming into her house and like rearranging things and like leaving her laptop like in the middle of her kitchen floor like she had her laptop hidden um she said it was like she hid it on top of the microwave like where because the, the microwave down by your knees and so she would hide it on top of that so you would have to like literally just get down at, like knee level to look and see that the laptop was hidden there and then somebody had found it and they put it in the middle of the kitchen floor right and stuff like that and then the house she would say to her friends that um, I feel like I'm a sitting duck. And then she came home and there was like a, like a stuffed duck, like sitting on her back porch or something like that, like stuff like, and then her ladders moved underneath like bedroom windows and just left there, stuff like that. Like, dude, just enough to make you like feel so crazy, so stalked and yeah. powerless, like yeah. to let it, somebody let you know they're in your house. They know where everything yeah. you keep, where it's at. Like you don't have any, there's no, um, privacy or security safety, like all those things yeah. that the illusions that we all are begging yeah. to live under to lose our freedom. But it's crazy yeah. that people that are trying to help the world are actually losing these things on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. And no crazy. one believes them. No one believes them. And they all have a story that they call someone. If I die, the, yeah. I'm not suicidal. They all have these stories where they call the yep. few friends. Like if something happens to me, um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not away. And yeah. Um, yeah. so, so I don't leave it dark. Uh, what, what are your, what's yeah. your favorite conspiracy? Like if you see something favorite on it, do you have like something nerdy? Like I geek out on like time travel, anything with the Titanic, ah. Antarctica, like totally. I have nerdy ones that I get down with. And I secretly kind of love the giant tree, um, yeah. mud flood idea. Yeah. Like I just love the devil's tower. Uh, yes. Um, yes. The Tartaria and, and the gigantic tree. Yes, Absolutely. So. I would say mine. Uh, I don't know, just in terms of just the overall just whimsical nature of it. I, I love 
Tesla. Uh, I love the War of the Currents, right? J.P. Morgan. Have you, have you gone down that whole rabbit hole at all? Um, when you said currents just then, it made me think of electrical yeah. currents, and I electrical all, currents. It was like, oh my gosh! I yeah. tell me about it. Okay, the, this is this is great. All right, so the War of the Currents, and there's so much. There's time travel. There's everything. There's everything in this story. So, you know, we grow up elementary school, whatever. We learn that Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, and Thomas Edison, genius scientist, right? Um, I don't even remember. I was probably in my twenties, maybe thirties before I even learned that or heard about Tesla. Most people probably think only think Tesla is a car company. Probably never even heard of Nikola Tesla. Um, so apparently Tesla, Nikola Tesla, Serbian, uh, immigrant, I think, I don't know. Uh, but he worked as an apprentice to, to Thomas Edison. So they kind of had, you know, an overlap there and he ventured off on his own Tesla did, and they kind of became, kind of became enemies. I think Edison noticed that he was a, a threat, you know, a threat to what he had going on. Now, Edison was financially backed by J.P. Morgan, right? <laughs> so, automatically, we're like, okay, that's 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 there's red flags going off already. And then uh, Tesla was there was a gentleman named Westinghouse, I believe, was his name that 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 financed him. And there's like rumors that like the stock market crash of 1907 was literally orchestrated to put Westinghouse out of business to like put Edison on top and and take Tesla out. You know, there's there's that conspiracy. But um, so this was what they call the War of the Currents because this is when like the United States infrastructure was just coming about and they were trying to figure out you know what type of energy they were gonna roll out to power the whole United States, right? Edison's idea was DC power, right? And Tesla's idea was AC power. And so they were like, okay, we're going to go AC or DC. So Edison's DC power, it would require each household to have like a gigantic battery in it. And they were really heavily, like JP Morgan was heavily invested in copper. And I think that, that Tesla or Edison's devices would require lots and lots and lots of copper. So that was advantageous to them to do that. Uh, so each house would have to have a battery center, um, which they were, they were testing it out and like very, very rich people would have little battery centers put in their home, but they were super loud. And then they would like catch the houses on fire. You know what I mean? And so they had to like put the battery like way far away from the house and people were like, this is stupid. Like a smart Tesla's meter. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much exactly like a smart meter. Exactly. It's like, like, yeah, <laughs> early 20th century smart meters. Right. But, uh, Tesla's idea was AC power having like a central power station and then you run it using transformers through like power lines so you know spoiler alert today we have ac power tesla's idea you know what i mean are we opposite no ac no it's ac power no, AC. no yep yep alternating current is what we what we currently have so tesla's technology actually was uh adopted by the united states but and the world you know what i mean but um back in the day like it was such a contentious thing um like and so the other cool thing is that Tesla was like friends with Mark Twain. So there's all these, and, and Tesla was always tinkering, like making all these cool little inventions and stuff like that. And he had like a, a, a brown note machine, you know what I mean? And like, there's this famous story of Mark Twain hanging out with Tesla in his little lab. And like, he pushed the What's button. The and, <laughs> okay. I don't know what the brown note is specifically, what decibel it is, but it's like something that like gargles your right guts here on the show. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> It gargles, it gargles your guts and makes you shit your pants. Right. And so that's that, like, there's a famous story of like 
of, of Tesla experimenting with that machine and, and Mark Twain shit in his pants in his laboratory. Right. So it's just like, <laughs> imagine how cool that would be just hanging out with like Mark Twain and Nikola Tesla in his fucking lab with like lightning flying across the rooms. It seems so, total so traveling Wilburys. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It's amazing. So anyway, Edison and JP Morgan, these evil, evil bastards, right. They were trying to discredit Tesla and his technology. And so what they did is they like, they did this big exposition where they brought all these animals and they started electrocuting them using these AC currents. They were electrocuting and killing these animals. And I can't remember, I think it's like Tusky or something like that. You can find it on YouTube footage of Thomas Edison electrocuting a full grown elephant to death using Tesla's technology saying, look how dangerous it is. You can kill full grown elephants with it. Right. That's how diabolical they were taking it. Right. So as the story goes, the story I heard is that Tesla to disprove that and to show that it actually isn't that dangerous. He came up with this thing where, you know, you see like the, the, the little transform little coils are called Tesla coils, right? He built this thing where he like, he stood on top of a Tesla coil and like figured out how much current you could run through the human body without it actually causing any damage. And he put on these little metal gloves, like metal, like, you know, chain mail type gloves. And he had like little ball receivers, like, you know, you know, like those little, uh, little globes, those glass globes with like the electrical currents that you like touch and the electrical current will come fly and touch your finger. You know what I'm saying? It's like a snow globe with like, like a little Spencer's gift. Yeah. Yeah. Like with little lightning bolts that go around. Yeah. That's exactly it. So he had like one of those types of devices where he stood on it and like through his metal gloves, like shot lightning bolts through his fingers into the little globe in the ceiling. Right. And so that's how the story goes. Like not, he's like, not only is it not dangerous, but watch this and just shooting lightning out of his hands. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like a badass, Right. So, you know, as it, as it continued to go down, like he had all these different inventions, all these different miraculous things. People, some people say he even unlocked the, the, the secrets of time travel, right? Who knows? He did have this technology where he could figure out how to charge the ionosphere and give the entire world free electricity. He figured out how to do it, supposedly. And uh, nobody, no, none of the, uh, no government would back it. No, no government would fund this project. Obviously, right? Conflict of interest. Even back then, I'm sure the oil tycoons were way too powerful, right? So what he did is he built these plans for a death ray. And what he wanted to do is is go around to some government, like no, you know, the United States didn't want it. So he was going around trying to sell his death ray to a different government in order to fund his own uh project to charge the ionosphere. He was just gonna do it just to to give the world free energy. That was that's that was his like life goal right and so he built this death ray in the hopes of achieving that right so anyway nobody would buy it and he ended up dying alone in a hotel you know he he was never people say like he was celibate his whole life because he never wanted to he didn't have time to do anything other than just his research and his inventions right and uh he had a very strong affinity for pigeons though so he he was very much in love with the pigeons but uh that was pretty you know he just died a lonely man in a hotel in new york and he had trunks and trunks and trunks full of research. Like I heard like some people say like 80 trunks like full of just notebook papers and all these designs and all this brilliant stuff over the course of his whole life. And uh, when he died, uh, the United States government hired somebody to go in and confiscate all that stuff, 
You know, do you know this part of the story? <laughs> yeah, you can finish yeah. it though. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anybody, so yeah, so they, so they, the United States government came in and confiscated all this stuff, and they hired somebody to go through all of it. And that person was a, a famous professor at MIT whose name was John Trump, who's Donald Trump's uncle. But <laughs> so, as the story goes, right? Um, the Trump family has always had Tesla's secrets of time travel, and uh, as evidenced by you know the Ingersoll Lockwood story novel from like the late 1800s called the last president who <laughs> who the main character in one of those stories is named baron trump so there you go <laughs> yeah and it's there's so many things other than the baron trump one and just that story alone um i think like john i think it was like john asher or Ashter, like he was gonna back tesla's energy and um one of the and he was also yeah. the number one person that was like opposed to the federal reserve so yep. he yep. um was like gonna have this big meeting at jekyll island with jp morgan but yep. before this all these people were gonna celebrate uh jp morgan's new sailing of his new boat the titanic <laughs> so all these yep. dudes that were backing tesla's free energy got on that boat and then they they didn't have the right flares, the women and children first. They didn't have enough lifeboats yeah. to make sure certain dudes didn't get off that boat. Um, yep. So it was really, uh, it's so crazy to take all those conspiracies. And, and then, like you said, the copper thing, which isn't really the most conductive yeah. metal, but it was the cheapest conductive metal they can use. That yeah. it was really J.P. Yeah. Morgan, another thing he um, had a ton of investment in. So it's like every time yeah. I look at wires across any sky, it triggers <laughs> yeah. me. It makes, it's like, th that's the number one thing about the energy. The biggest, it's not even the oil to me. It's the wires, like all yeah. through our house, all through our, and you know, they're trying to put the metal in our deodorant and the metal in our teeth yeah. and the metal in our wires. It's like, what is all this metal surrounded us all the time? Yep. Yep. Um, it's such a, and it's just everything's electricity and everything's energy um, yeah that's totally something I get high on and the time travel of it all <laughs> yeah love it love it okay I've loved Ooh. talking to you I won't keep ah. you forever you are so awesome Great. to hang out with me even though there was technical difficulties and um, all right what do you want to plug before you go uh, just you know just find you know the truth Zilla trio um, I'd say the best place would be on rock bin rockfin.com slash truthzilla you know we got two strikes on youtube last week and they're coming for us hard so we won't be there very much longer we're on all your podcast platforms um we got some big things coming up you know you can follow us on instagram we're always just dropping dropping memes all day long you know what i mean and uh truthzilla.org so when in doubt if we disappear from wherever you used to hearing from us go to truthzilla.org and we will be there it is it's so lovely oh. and truthzilla it really is and i gotta also say if you want to get a badass Truezilla shirt, truezilla.org slash shirts, one of which, you know, my favorite um, was designed by Cheney here. It's uh, It's got a little emblem on the front that says, ever wondered if you would have complied in 1930s Germany? Well, now you know, with a nice little mask on it. So oh, thank you for that again, Cheney. I think that's been our number one seller by far. Oh, you so. guys are so awesome. And I love all of you. And I love what you do. And thank you um, for actually being my first male guest. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's been a real honor, Tanya. You're the best, and we'll definitely have you back here soon, okay? I love it. Thank you for cool. um, being here, and we will talk soon. All right. Bye, peace. Scott. Good night. Bye-bye. Um, yeah.
so she has been Cheney, and now she's off to smoke a blunt. See you next Tuesday, you fucking cunts. Honestly, I don't know. I think it's been a very serendipitous journey, and I feel like, man, like I don't know if I would change anything. Honestly, like that's crazy. Right.